Welcome back to the show. Guest host extraordinaire, Terry Canova and Phil Stigal. How are you doing today, Terry? I am good. I am good. Uh, prayers to my buddies and friends in New Orleans. They got a big storm heading this way on the anniversary of Katrina. So hopefully uh, in the next 24, 48 hours, you know, everybody's okay there. Yeah, hopefully right. by the time this is this airs, which will be um, what the seventh of September, it's it's blown through, and um, yeah, hope yeah, fingers fingers firmly crossed as we record this on what the twenty eighth of August. So yeah, fingers crossed. And um, Phil, how are you doing? Doing well. Pleasure to be back. It always it's always a good time to get to yeah, co-host. It feels like a long time. I was just saying off air that we've we've locked down no no more dim and distant memory. It feels like time is becoming even more of a precious commodity. So it is, it is tough with our, our time zones. What, it'd be better if it was like two hours difference between Central and it may, it'd mean I wouldn't have to stay up in the middle of the night right. to watch American right. Wrestling pay-per-views. It'd be much better for us all. And we got a cracking show first up from September the 7th, 1985 to review for you today. Um, and Jim Ross and Joel Watts are back at the desk. We've got Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert will be here versus El Casario. The Fantastics versus Williams and uh, Sweeten. Jake Roberts versus The Nightmare. Dutch Mantel and Bill Dundee team up, plus the new tag team champions, my favourites, Wendell Cooley and Al Perez, defend their newly won tag team titles versus the formidable team of the one-man gang and Kareem Mohammed. Ross says right off the top that he wants to address one subject that many fans have been sending letters in about, and this is on the subject of Terry Taylor. Basically, people are writing in, where is Terry Taylor? And Joel said he would like to make a statement and that basically Terry Taylor had moved to the NWA area to follow and go after Ric Flair and his NWA's World Heavyweight title. And this is the second time they've done this on air recently with a question about the Rock and Roll Express haven't been answered recently. And Phil, what do you think of this? Very honest from a wrestling promotion to it's, do this. You know, it is very honest, and especially for that time when most promotions didn't recognize another promotion, but of mm. course, too much. But I mean, obviously with the NWA co-op, they're like, we're clear to go around. I think what the business side of this is, they're mentioning Terry, and they're saying, we're going to try to get him back just as soon as we can. They know he's not coming back. Yeah. Right? They know he's not coming back, but they don't want to lose any viewership. So, you know, tune in next week, maybe Terry will be back, is yeah, what I'm indeed. getting out of that. I agree. Any thoughts on this, um, Terry, at all? Well, just a, a couple things in general. First off, uh, this is right about the time where I entered the Army. And hmm. so I, I didn't get to see any of this stuff live. Uh, so so a, a lot of this is kind of new to me. I, I, I've, you know, over the years, I've gone back and watched some of this, but, but, but it's kind of new. Uh, and as to what Phil was saying, I agree. And also, I think they want to remind people that the champion is out there, yes, uh, yeah, you know, because he is going to come in and out here, uh, in, in the next few weeks and, and visit the mid south. And, and so, uh, just reminding everybody that there's a, there's a big time champion out there who we might see again, yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up, we got a recap of the great tag team title match. Uh, you won't have heard this yet because it's it, we're, we're recording this before the latest episode, which is a bit awkward, but I absolutely love the tag team title change, which they recapped here. I thought it was, you know, right in the top tier of stuff I've seen on the, on this television show. Um, Terry, first, anything to add on on this this title switch here with the new champions, um, Wendell Cooley and Al Perez? You know, I enjoyed watching them. Uh, I, I thought the finish, it looked like they were, uh, they were kind of, not quite a hundred percent in sync on the finish, uh, but but some of the moves and 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 uh, I I made a note uh, one one of the uh, 
one of the suplex or the belly to belly uh, that that was in this match. I mean, it was it was strong. There was there yeah. was some good stuff for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Phil, what do you remember about these two and this, um, this, the, these, these two? Because Cooley pretty much been used as enhancement talent, and I was desperate for him to be pushed. And all of a sudden, new tag team champion. Right, right. And Ross setting it up called it one of the biggest upsets yes. in professional wrestling history, and it was a huge upset. Obviously, um, the crowd was extremely excited. Um, if you noticed after they won, if you watched the crowd, you can see the reactions. It was as if, if the Rock and Roll Express had won. Um, now the finish, I do, I do, I did see what Terry's talking about were, uh, but I think it was just cause it was a, it was a, it was a very complicated finish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Someone put a lot yeah. of thought into it. You know, it was a pretty complicated finish and put a lot of thought into it. Um, but, uh, very exciting match. Yeah. Very, I, I love now, this. Are we I seeing a bit of, good. uh, at this time, just before this time, pretty much Bruiser Bob Sweetan and Al Perez, they pretty much come out of Houston. Are we seeing a talent swap here? Is it possibly? I think that's continuing. I'm I, I'm not quite sure what the Houston situation was. So I think they were Houston primarily using Mid South talent at that, that time. Um, I think that we might have even been beyond Houston wrestling as pure Houston wrestling at, the, at, at this point. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. That's probably one for uh, yeah. I was going to say one for the historians, but I'm I guess I'm speaking to Mid South historians really here on the on the show. But uh, yeah, I I got the impression that Houston might have been done by this point, and that maybe the WWF were running there uh, by the by this time. I could be wrong about that. Um, yeah, not not 100 percent sure. Well, I think I think Houston went on till about uh, where they. I thought they had a little bit more time. I'm obviously okay. could be wrong. Like I'm with Terry. We're we're trying to remember stuff from 40 years ago, you know, so, but it just seems like those guys were, I know they were both big in Houston mm. and now they're both here at the same time. So Joel um, in follow up to this said he loved it and he's, he's heard from a lot of the fans and they loved it too. And they followed up with a ringside promo with Jim Ross along with Skandar Akbar, who was accompanied by the one man gang and Kareem Mohammed. And Skandar talked about being the best manager in the world and what an impressive team he had put together. He said that Perez and Cooley would be the shortest-lived Mid-South Tag Team Champions in history, and there's no way that they could live with this team. I thought this was good stuff from Skandar. And Phil, what did you think of this kind of short promo from ringside here? Classic Akbar, you know, when you think of Mid-South Wrestling, he's <coughs> one of the names that will always come up. Yes. Um, if you, before we started reviewing these episodes, if you'd asked me who are the top 50 people you remember from Mid-South, um, a lot of these folks on the show, their name would never come up, mm. but Akbar would be in, you know, the top 10, but so whoever Akbar's with that, he just makes them part of mid South. So yeah, big it's, time. it's good stuff. Yeah. Terry, what'd you make of this? Yeah, I, I, I as well, I love Skandar Akbar. And, and I think it's, I think it's pretty, pretty smart booking. You take a great manager and you take two huge heels, but they aren't a tag team, so to speak. Yes. You know, so put them together. So it's so it's a perfect first uh, matchup for these new champs. Yeah, big time. Joel said that Scandal alluded to the title switch being a fluke, and then we cut to the new champions along with Jim Ross. And Perez said it was a pleasure to hold the titles that a lot of great teams had held in the past. And Cooley added that they were fixing to put the titles on the line against a team with a combined weight of over 800 pounds. He called them, them the people's champions and they would defend the titles at any time. Perez then added a slightly odd line saying that, well, they say it was a fluke victory. Well, I agree, but we've got the belts. So, yeah, that was a bit of an odd one, but not. I don't think this was hugely polished on these to hear. However, pretty sure this is the first time either of these have ever spoken on Mid-South television. I'm 99.9% I'm right. sure of that. 
So um, yeah, I, okay. I thought it was okay. So would you, would you anything to add on these uh, on this baby face promo here? Just the exact same thing. When, when he admitted that it, that it was a fluke, I yeah. thought it, it was kind of odd. Yeah. Yeah, Phil, what did you think of this? The fluke line. Yeah, that's right. And I think you're right. I hadn't heard Al Perez talk much outside of WCCW, and that yeah. wasn't much back then, you know. So uh, bringing a new talent, you know, you'd mentioned on a couple of episodes previously, I was listening to to your podcast, and you know, we as it happens sometimes, the episodes will seem to kind of get in a, a dip or a lull. It's mm. towards the the same thing. And you mentioned that just a few episodes ago, and I could remember back then kind of feeling the same way it's amazing how you're seeing some of the feeling some of the same things we felt back then you mm-hmm. know but obviously with uh, uh you know the roster uh has been beefed up here again yes uh, there's certain you know there was a period of time where they seemed to be missing a big guy like uh nikolai volkov you know yeah or they were short on big hills and they had to turn butch reed hill because it's short on big hills so there's no shortage now no 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 no, definitely not and i think i said i've said it on the show i if you went back to uh i remember watching raw in nine raw in 98 is probably the best example of something i was so into and would watch it'd be friday night at 10 o'clock here would be the first airing of the monday show and there were weeks i was like oh i'd be flicking through the channels like this is not very good maybe steve austin's not on it no episode, even the nitros of the first MDR, you get you get kind of filler weeks because it, AEW, I quite enjoy now. This week, kind of filler. This is what it is. Next week's to be better. They've got a pay per view to push, but they can't, you can't be doing it every time. And also, the other thing as well that's really important, as you guys know more than I do, but this is not about this television show is about selling tickets. It's not about yeah. this is a destination show where the feuds and storylines culminate here. So it is a different sort of thing, but I, I think they're, they're back firing all cylinders certainly over the last couple of weeks and that's something where we're we it, it's it would be easier to remember that if we were watching if these episodes had the commercial promos yes they break to commercial then have your local promo and they are just nailing every show the time the day yeah the place, exactly and all that so that really does that really is missing a lot there yeah definitely after the break we got our mid-south tag team title match kareem Mohammed and the one-man gang versus the new champions of Cooley and perez what said that Perez was as fine a technical wrestler as you could find anywhere in the sport. And the babyfaces were on top in this one in the early going before Gang and Mohammed fought a beat down on Cooley. Gang missed the splash at the four minute mark and Cooley made a hot tag to Perez, which the crowd didn't bite on as much as I would have liked them to. Uh, but I put, thought Perez looked good here fighting both men until Mohammed and Gang double teamed him and hit the old sandwich move. Always a favourite, that one. The clueless referee watched on while the double teaming continued. Gang tried to splash Perez, but Cooley pulled him out. And somehow, defying science, Gang landed on Mohammed, and Perez then made the pin <laughs> for the win in 522. So a massive win for the new champions here. And after the match, Akbar had a go at Gang, and Mohammed and him went at it. Um, I thought this was this was this was you know decent, if not good, and obviously a big win for the champions who I'm very very fond of so far. Uh, so um, Phil, first, what did you make of this tag team title match? Hey there. I um, I thought it was really good. I was I was hoping to get to see an opportunity to see a, a uh, belly-to-back attempt here, belly-to-back yes. to play. But we knew that wasn't going to happen, so they had to come up with some type of a uh, of, uh, good finish here, which you're right. It did seem to defy science there. It was in a good way, in a good way, yeah. <laughs> so what did you think of this tag team title match? Yes, same thing. It, it's it's what you might expect. Uh, you know, we, we would all go in assuming – the, the new champions would win. 
uh, and and it was just a matter of how would they do it. You know, these are big guys, and and mm. uh, you know, I thought I thought it was pretty well booked and a good match and served served the purpose. I like in in terms of this is exactly what I say. You've got a new new team. Maybe some people are like well, Perez has been pushed pretty strong, but Cooley not so much. I'm not sure about these guys. Let's get them in there. Beat a big team. Crowber into it. Great stuff. And next up, talking of great stuff, next up we had Jake the Snake Roberts versus the former North American champion, the Nightmare, who was accompanied by Oliver Humperdinck and Humongous. And Ross talked about Roberts really becoming a fan favourite, um, which was interesting given his recent promo involving Butch Reed, where it looked like he was maybe going back tweener or, or even full on heel. The crowd was really getting behind Jake here with DDT chants. Roberts went for it early, but the Nightmare was able to slither away. At 3.35, the Nightmare loaded his mask and hit Roberts with three headbutts. Eddie Gilbert came to ringside to protest the referee as Roberts was busted wide open. The Nightmare handed the object to Humperdinck and then out of nowhere, Roberts hit the DDT for the win in 4.36. He then demasked the Nightmare to an eruption from the crowd. And then post-match, Humongous tried to get involved, but the Barbarian came out. And it, and it looked like he was going to make the save, and they both attacked Robert. So a shocking turn from the Barbarian here. Joel couldn't believe this and did a great sell job. They then did a version of the Doomsday Device on Roberts as Humperdinck watched on. I just loved the whole thing from start to finish. I love the match. I love how into, into Roberts the crowd was. Loads to unpick. Um, Roberts had clearly been in a kind of tweener-type role recently, but clearly this was... You know, the line in the sand is drawn. This guy's a baby face here. We're pushing him to the moon. And obviously, they're breaking him away from the barbarian. And I thought at this point, um, Roberts was as over, if not more over, as anyone I've seen in the Irish McNeil Boys Club so far on these TVs. Um, Terry, first, what did you make of this match and this, this post-match angle? Yeah, Jake the Snake is is uh, is great, uh, and and you know this was this was the first time I'd seen this match. I I hadn't even seen this on replay. Mm. Uh, I I agree with you said a hundred percent. This is a great match. It's well booked. It's a good matchup. The finish is good. You got a little. You got a little blood. You got the whole deal. I mean, it's this is a really really good TV match. I don't care if you've never seen Mid South or, or whatever. I think this is one that anybody could enjoy, whether you're familiar with these guys or not. Yeah, almost like you could you could take this ten minutes out and say this is what Mid South is all about. You've got the intrigue in the match. You've got the little bit on the outside. You've got the turn. You've got the excitement from the crowd. You've got the violence. We've obviously Robert's been busted wide open. I thought this is, this is pretty perfect. Um, Phil, what did you think of this, uh, this whole presentation here? Yeah, again, terrific. Um, this is uh, part of my Mid-South watching where I remember Humongous coming in very, very well. I'm, I remember these, these times very well. It was one of those things decades later you talk about where remembering Mid-South wrestling – well, Humongous was one of them because it was so so shocking. Now, you said uh, Joel did a great job selling on this. I wish we could have had a camera on Joel. Yeah. Uh, him him screaming, what's happening, sounded as panicked as anyone in any horror movie I've ever yes. heard. I mean, Joel was as – I mean, you could not put any more into your screaming what's happening than Joel did at that, that point. So it was very entertaining, absolutely. I think Joel's underrated when he does that. I think that's – one Absolutely. of Joel's key strengths is he, he's, he's selling it like the worried kind of high school kid that's about to get, you know, done over in the horror movie in the first scene, isn't he, basically? And he's, He did that earlier in one of these other matches where someone's coming up behind Al Perez. I think yeah. Dr. Death's going to behind him. Look out! Look out! Yeah, yeah, he really he good. He to watch out. <laughs> and I guess that's him just reacting, isn't it? I think that's where Joel, Joel sometimes stumbles, where he's kind of pot on camera and he's got to talk about things. 
But Joel's natural reaction to some of his, yeah. his points of commentary are really, really good. Um, back from break, Ross said that Roberts was badly injured and they were still attending to him. And Ross said the key point is why did the Barbarian turn on Jake Roberts? And clearly, Sir Oliver Humperdinck was involved somehow. Um, Joel stumbled over his words a bit before they threw to a video that he and Bob Von Jergy, do, you know, do either of you know who that is? And I probably butchered that name there. This is the video. So basically, him and Bob von Jergy had uh, produced this video on Humongous. <laughs> Never Does that heard name of... ring a bell? <laughs> Did I produce it? I guess I wasn't paying attention. I'll have to go back. Yeah, don't worry. I wondered when, it, when I wrote it down, I, I, I put a note to sort of ask you. So I wondered if that was someone that was famous, but I'd never heard his name before. But they, but basically, they produced it. I really like Humongous and, they, and I really like his War Machine song as well. Uh, and this, this music video basically showed Humongous taking off a black hood to reveal his hockey mask and then walking up to someone doing some metal work. Um, he's then walking around what appeared to be some pipes that had flames in them. Then we got some in-ring work and footage of him dismantling some people uh, back in this kind of warehouse sort of factory thing. And some workers look on, and I don't think they, they, they I don't think they followed the director's orders here because they seemed non-plus, and I thought they were supposed to probably look scared. Um, there was another shot where he climbed up on something and looked pretty proud of himself. Uh, more in-ring stuff back outside the kind of factory warehouse now, and he's flexing. Um, it's kind of maybe kind of a scrapyard actually, and an in-ring footage of Humperdinck uh, calming him down with sort of two fingers in the eyes and dragging him away. And now back to um, uh, Humongous enjoying a nice walk on a summer's day. I I love these videos. I wouldn't put this perhaps in the very top tier of Joel's work, but this was still extremely good fun. Um, Phil, what did you think of this Humongous music video? I enjoyed it. It was good. It was uh, the location. Obviously, was different than any of other Joel's other yes. videos. We're not in the gym seeing the sweaty workout like we're fixing to <laughs> in another episode. But uh, yeah, but you're right. The uh, the uh, the other uh, folks in the video seem less than impressed. But uh, maybe they're told just to stand there and look at all. But uh, uh, yeah, good good video. Enjoy. Yeah, it. I love this song as well. Terry, what do you make of this? So I got a kick. I got a kick out of the fact that these guys are welding, and this giant friggin' Jason from Friday the Thirteenth right. behind them, and they don't even react. Let's just yeah. it's, it's pretty funny, but 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 the the music the music's great. The the, the whole deal it, it, it's good stuff. Good yeah, stuff. he's he is great. He's really great. And then we headed, and as I really like, they they always tend to do this. Um, we headed straight out of a kind of promo package on someone and into a humongous match against Mike Horn um, in his long tights with the top half cut off in Andre the Giant style. Um, Mike got clothesline right in the face and Humperdinck shouted decapitate him, which wasn't very kind. Um, hum humongous won with a Shinomaki in 107 and he held on to the move after the bell until Humperdinck removed him and Joel called it one of the most dangerous moves in wrestling. Um, uh, Terry, actually, what did you think of this? And also... Question for you, for the panel, actually. Did Ted DiBiase start using this million-dollar dream in Mid-South, or did he first use it in WWF, do you know? I, I, I personally don't ever remember him using it till 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 later. I mean, DiBiase was, was you know, uh, he, he would do the, uh, the, the powerbomb uh, uh, body slam. He would do the figure four. I, I don't even and he did a sleeper hold and he just do regular I, sleeper at times. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the sleeper, but, uh, but no, I, I don't remember him doing this in the mid South. Hmm. It's interesting. Cause obviously this move has been, who else used this? Was it, 
not Kosha Khrushchev, someone else uses Shinamaki, didn't they? I, I can't think who yeah, it was. Yeah, but we didn't call it the Shinamaki, and I got my notes, how do you spell Shinamaki? But we call, you know, over the years, it's been called the, you know, the Cobra Clutch. Cobra Clutch, and, uh, yeah. Cobra Clutch. yeah. Yep. Uh, did the Mass Superstar maybe use it? Sure, there you go. There you go. Okay, yes. yeah. Yeah. And there's someone else in Mid-South, but I just can't think who, can't think who it was, but... Yeah, well, anyway, so what did you think of this this short sort of humongous squash here? It it, it was it was perfect for what uh you know just had the video package, uh, you know, big big crush, uh just just perfect, just building him up to be this monster. And uh, you know, uh, let's find him, let's find him somebody who can who can match up against him. Yeah, absolutely. What did you think, Phil? Well, you know, if there's anything professional wrestling has taught us, it's if you've got a monster working for you that's out of control to regain to to regain control, just just cover his eyes. <laughs> you cover his eyes. You know, seeing hey, Gary Hart quit. do that with with other wrestlers, just cover their eyes with a blanket or your hands, and, and everything will be so, okay. So for both of you guys, and and Phil may may have more of a recollection than, than you, Stephen. Who who else does that to one of his guys? Do, do you guys well, recall? I know that Gary Hart had a character to Mark Lewin. They used to do it to Mark Lewin. They yes, put that, a, that's exactly who I was thinking. Mark Lewin. Yep. Mark Lewin. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never heard that name. So for shame on me, I'm afraid. Yeah. Oh, you got to get familiar with Mark Lewin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I really like. I I just I just enjoy Humongous. I know that he didn't. I, I I try not to look too far ahead, but sometimes in research, I know that this guy didn't do too much in the future. But I'm hoping he's gonna be around in Mid South for some time to come. Um, up next, we got Bill Dundee and Dutch Mantel versus Jimmy Backlund and Mark Reagan. And Jimmy Backlund was the future gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. Um, I think I've mentioned that before. But yeah, that's sort of a, de- a little bit less than a decade after this. Uh, and Mantel actually nearly killed him with a horrific looking belly to back suplex in the early going. Uh, and this was just a basic squash of Mantel winning by the MX in 218. Uh, Phil, what do you think of the of this match? And also the, the pairing of Bill Dundee and Dutch Mantel who have been... Uh, paired together in the last few weeks. Is is it possible that Dutch has grown more back hair in the past I few just, weeks? I just wish that the head on my hair, the hair on my head, was that thick. I, yeah, I just don't understand it. Um, <laughs> going back, um, I did have some when I was watching this and I paired him up. I did think it was slightly unusual, completely due to different characters, but that's fine. But a few uh, episodes ago, y'all were talking about. Uh, Dutch Mantel and his bull whip uh, called yes. Shoe Baby. Shoe Baby, yes. Yeah. Shoe Baby, yeah. And so um, I was listening to it and I was wanting to, you know, immediately tweet out to Dan what the correct, you know, what was what he was asking about it, but I think he looked it up himself. But um, part of that naming of it, you know, because if you remember, it was who was it, the, the snowman? Who, who stole his whip? One of the guys stole his whip. Uh, I think it was the snowman, wasn't it? I think it yes, was the snowman yeah. stole his whip. And and so when he's talking about shoe baby, uh and Dan was correct what he looked up and 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 said on that, but that's something to hear in the States. If there's a fly near you say shoe fly. We, oh, okay. we shoe fly. Yeah. Shoe fly, shoe fly. And but that bull but also they would they would use it to to knock flies off of things, the back of the cattle and stuff. Um but the fact that he named it. Uh, you know, this is shoe baby, you know, Americans, we name our guns, we name our baseball bats, we name our cars, we name our boats. And the fact that he named that meant it was a special item to him. So when it was stolen, then 
it, it was more personal matter. More personal. So, yeah, that makes sense. But now, and so, but yeah, so here they're still calling it, and obviously he uses it uh, um, in the matches coming coming forward. But I thought it was an interesting pairing between Dundee and and Mantell. Didn't see that. Didn't see that coming. To no, I, I guess Dundee's still involved in the booking at this point, um, and I, he. Perhaps, perhaps because we're, obviously we, talk, we talked about some talent in and out here, um, and he's being featured more, not in a massively prominent role, but obviously he was he did turn uh, a few weeks back. Um, Terry, what did you think of this uh, of this match and also the pairing of these two? So, so I really like the pairing of them now, and and maybe for a different reason. So, uh, the, these are both Memphis guys, and hmm. and. Uh, like I said, at about this time, I'm going into the Army. Well, ironically, my first – the only place I was stationed was was near Nashville. And so uh, we would go see wrestling in Nashville on Saturday nights. And, of course, you know, Jerry Lawler was the big guy. But Bill Dundee and Dutch Mantell was also some of the main guys on that crew. Ah, and, interesting. Yeah, and so really, really got a – great appreciation for those two also buddy landell was one of the main guys in that crew as well just real good stuff and and uh did, didn't get as much national spotlight as as say mid-south would but really really good stuff and, and so so it, it was it was kind of kind of natural for me to see these two uh tag up as far as the match itself i think somebody mentioned that side suplex that mantel gave it, it was vicious yes. i mean they <laughs> For Jesus, I'm uh, <laughs> Absolutely. When we came back from break, uh, Ross said it was due to be Eddie Gilbert versus El Casario, but Skander Akbar requested that prior to the start of the match, El Casario was going to demonstrate his martial arts ability again. So they had a few wooden boards out there, and Akbar held one up as Gilbert was getting agitated in the corner and wanted to get the match going. El Casario told Boy to move, which I thought was quite funny, and then lined up the kick. But before actually doing it, he hit Gilbert with what Ross called a judo chop and then followed with a heavy-duty stiff kick, which almost looked like it had legit knocked out Gilbert. He followed up with a nerve hole before the ref called for the bell all inside 30 seconds. Um, El Casario held onto this for a while before striking the referee. An unidentified person in a white shirt and cream chinos tried to make the save, but failed, and then was kicked to the outside, or kicked on the outside by Akbar. Reagan tried and failed as well before the Fantastics made El Casario run off. I was a little bit disappointed we didn't get a full match here, because I quite like Eddie Gilbert. Um, but yeah, what did you think of this, uh, this film? And were you as disappointed as I was that we didn't get the full-on pre-match martial arts exhibition? Well, sure. Everybody wants to see hot stuff take on this, this mask guy um, now that he's on the outs with Humperdinck, you know, you want to, you want to see a good match here, but it was, uh, you know, obviously setting up for something on down the road here. Exactly. Um, yeah. Developing storyline and more, more shock value, you know, more blood on the show. Right. So, um, and at the end, you have a, a very caring, loving Grizzly Smith come up and, and at the ringside and, and take a look, you know, when Jake got hurt, I didn't see Grizzly Smith out at ringside, but here you'll notice at the very end when Eddie Gilbert's laying in the corner with the Fantastics over him, Grizzly Smith comes up to, to check on him. Mm. thought that was. Uh, Terry, what did you think of this? Uh, I, I think same as you guys. And I, I think that's a very interesting observation about Phil that, that old Grizz checks on uh, Eddie, but doesn't check on his boy. So uh, mm. interesting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I guess he probably he probably wouldn't have done that because anyone anyone would have sort of unless anyone made the association, which probably almost no there one you know. outside the wrestling business would have would have known. Um, 
the Fantastics versus Doctor Death and Sweeten next. The usual long Fantastic entrance before being attacked on entry to the ring. Um, and then we got a Vincent Mann style. What a maneuver from Joel early on as the, after the Fantastics drop kick that ended up with Williams and Sweeten colliding with one another. Um, superstar Bill Dundee made his way to ringside, which made me think this one would inevitably end via some interference. And then the ref was bumped at five and a half minutes. Dundee tried to get involved. There was some back and forth, and this led to Steve Williams loading his brace and winning via close on in six minutes and 14 seconds. Quite a long match uh, for Mid-South Sanders at this time. A little bit frantic at times, but enjoyable, I thought. Um, Terry, what did you think of this uh, Fantastics versus Dr. Death and Bob Sweetan match? Yeah, good match. Good match. Uh, it's just... Uh, Kind of, kind of put another rub back on Doctor Death and Sweet Tan, saying, "Hey, see, look, our Mid South champs beat them, but they were still able to beat the Fantastics, you know. So it's, uh, it's good, good stuff, good match." Yeah, absolutely. What did you think of this, Phil? Yeah, what was the finish on this one? Um, uh, Williams won via loaded arm brace. No, right, right. Yeah, of course. So I knew I, I was trying to remember. It had to be something like that. The Fantastics got in an awful lot of good offense you felt at times like they might be able to pull it out then of course the the hills are going to cheat and and so now you got more heat on them and you you want to see your fantastics come back next week and and recoup themselves yeah absolutely and that believe it or not is it this was certainly an exciting show um new tag team champs in action plus the big angle with jake and not only is I've written in my notes, it flew by watching it. But it's absolutely flown by uh, reviewing it. I thought this was this was this was top notch stuff from from Mid South, and certainly the last couple of weeks have been um, actually maybe even three weeks have been really right in the in the right direction again. Um, so Terry, what are your final thoughts on the September seventh, nineteen ninety five episode of Mid South Wrestling? Well, I'm glad this was one that I got to review with you guys. Because again, it was it was a card that I did not see live. I did not see at the time, and and really don't know if if I ever seen it from start to finish. Uh, uh, El Esso or having the heck he says his name. I've I've seen his name on uh, on cards listed before as having wrestled, and I I know he ends up being Savio Vega, but I think mm, that right. was the first time. Right. Yeah. yeah. First time I saw him wrestle, and and so kind of his debut. So good stuff. Uh, like Phil said, we had had a little blood in two matches. So heck, what more could you ask for? Yeah, absolutely. I feel what's your what are your final thoughts on this week's episode? Oh, my thought as I was watching these this episode and and the, and the previous couple, as I mentioned before, just as a as a person who got to attend some of these matches, but I always watched them back in the day things that stood out over the time, the decades, mm. uh, you know, some of the shocking moments were, you know, when, when Mr. Wrestling number two turned on Magnum TA, right. A couple of those, some of those shocking moments you've seen in the past year or two, the, the advent, the, the incoming of humongous from the time he threw around uh, Dick Murdoch. Yes. Uh, like a rag yeah. doll. That was absolutely shocking. Yes. And we were absolutely looking forward yep. uh, to that. Yeah. Yeah, really good stuff. Right, um, and in some good news, Terry and Phil are joining me next week as well. So thank you all for listening, as ever, and we shall speak to you all again very, very soon. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, 
why not head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button, follow on Spotify or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released. We love reviews at Mid-South Moments, so why don't you make my day by leaving a five-star rating? Also, if you're interested in guest hosting in the future, please do reach out at Mid Moments on Twitter and I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon.